0: In the West, I think the modern belief is that humans are good and desire to do good. The problem is that doesn't line up biblically, and it doesn't line up when we look out into a world of manipulation and abuse, and even the fact that we use whatever ability we have to harm other people. It started in the garden, it continued to Cain, and now it is acted out by humans on the daily. But how do we overcome this constant desire for power? We're going to talk about that today on The Pilgrim Zone. hey everyone welcome to episode 41 of the pilgrim song i am one half of your hosts i'm alexander and i'm here alone again this week sorry that charlie is not back i know that makes everybody sad Uh, but we will be back together next week for sure as we are doing our christmas special now going along with our christmas special we'll be doing our reading giveaway uh, this is the last week for you to enter into our contest to win the three books. Um, C.S. Lewis's Great Divorce, an ESV journaling Bible, and Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. So, we will be announcing our winner on the uh, uh, both the Instagram page and on the episode next week. So, I uh, hope you guys will enter. Go check it out on our Instagram page over at at the pilgrim song Uh, and hope you enter hope you guys win (laughs) i want to thank you again for all the support we really appreciate all of you listening in Uh, we are closing in on uh, probably by the time this episode comes out we'll be over 900 listens on the year and that's just that's so huge it's unbelievable that so many of you guys have uh, really engaged with us this year and we're very thankful for you I do get tired of hearing my own voice and I'm sure you guys do as well. Um thank for y'all bearing with us. This subject that we're talking about today is one I've become really passionate about. Um one that I've seen a lot of and one that I'm working to battle uh, even within myself. I hope that it really as we go through it, I hope that you see it's it's a real call for us to be very different in a world that constantly is seeking after this goal to have more power than other people. Since starting this podcast, uh, I've been listening to a lot more podcasts. I listened to some about uh, one of my hobbies in disc golf. I listened to one uh, pretty adamantly about that, passionately about that. Uh, I also would recommend ones like the Bible Project. I think they do some really incredible work, some great work over there. So if you go and listen to that podcast, that's one I highly recommend. But one that I've been listening to a lot that's been released this year, and it's kind of been this uh, storytelling effort. Uh, It's been put out by Christianity Today, and it's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Uh, The last episode of it came out just this past week, and I'm uh, almost done with it. But it's just been this very interesting story. It follows this story of a, a pastor named Mark Driscoll and his church plant over in Seattle. And it becomes this huge mission over in Seattle. Multiple campuses, all this type of stuff. I'm not going to get into all the problems I have with multi-campus churches and stuff like that. But uh, it's just, it was interesting for me to listen to. Um, <clears throat> and... Basically, he becomes this huge, this huge deal, and then it absolutely collapses in on itself. And a big part of the problem is Mark Driscoll. It is this one guy, this one pastor who had way too much power. And with this power, he abused and he domineered. And to challenge him and to challenge what he said and whatever he preached, it was like, you are challenging the words of God Himself. And as I listen to it and I'm hearing these stories, it's heartbreaking because it's ended with a lot of people losing their faith. It's ended with uh, people having to go to tons of therapy to recover from this trauma. It is unbelievable. It's heartbreaking and it reminds me of basically the fourth episode of the Pilgrim Song that I did on Robbie Zacharias. Very similar. And it made me, both of these stories, both Mars Hill story and Robbie Zacharias, Robbie Zacharias, have made me think about the position that I have been put in. I genuinely believe that uh, God wants me to be a preacher of his gospel and a preacher of his word. And it reminds me that while I am not in the position of similar authority in any way close to this, it would be very easy for me to spiritually abuse people. And I have to be so extremely considerate of the positions I put myself in and the words I use and how I act and how I treat people. I have to be very serious about that, acting as Jesus did. And it's made me see some flaws in myself that I really need to be working on and constantly repenting of. And I'm prayerful that the spirit continues to help me and continues to help me grow in that. A big problem at Mars Hill was power over people. Mark Driscoll dominated people, and it's simply a microcosm of the problem that mankind as a whole struggles with all the time. I've recently been going through First John with my congregation, and it's it's an incredible epistle it is heartbreaking as you see your constant failures but it is also the most wonderful book about reminding us how we can know we can have this assurance that i'm going to be saved by lord not based upon my righteousness but based upon the fact that jesus is my savior and it's just it's beautiful it's wonderful it reminds us of key elements of our faith love like need to be talking about that more about grace all that wonderful stuff when chapter 3, John brings out this example to differentiate between love and hate, and he uses Cain and Abel. He says in chapter 3 that Cain kills Abel for this particular reason, because his brother's actions were righteous and his actions were not. So he hates his brother for doing the right thing. And instead of humbling himself, knowing that God's going to have mercy on him and that he has a chance to do it again, he instead takes power into his own hands. He wanted control. And he goes out and he kills his brother. Pretty much any time these words are used in the Bible of taking, it is negative. It is people abusing whatever power they have so they can harm people. Abraham, the father of our faith, and Sarai, kick out Hagar after she participates in the plan that they were the ones who cooked it up. They both had power over this slave, and they used it. Israel struggled with idolatry quite a bit, and I think that there's a variety of reasons that can be put in there. But I believe a big part of it is That when you go out and you chop down a tree, or you start cutting this thing out of stone, or you make it out in a golden cast, or whatever it is, you are making a God. And this God, maybe he can inconvenience you in some ways. But ultimately, you are in control of what this God does. This God really isn't making any of the demands. You're the one making the demands. And it's a lot easier to worship a cow that you set up or something that you cut down instead of Yahweh, who doesn't have an image that is bowed down in front of and cannot be controlled. As a matter of fact, he's the one making the rules. It's a much harder God to worship. And it's very scary for us who like or who are struggling with this power, who are struggling with this desire for power. It's scary to know that someone out there, this being out there, has infinitely more power than us. David grows up a humble shepherd. And before his kingship, he's humble and doing whatever he can to serve God. But then as he starts getting closer to his kingship, he starts changing. You may disagree with me, but I think that his taking of the sword of Goliath was just stepped through the door of failing to trust in God, that he trusted in the sword of his slain enemy rather than the God who had slain him. He turns to the Philistines instead of to God. He takes multiple wives, which is acting, you know, taking a harem is more like a pagan king, definitely not what God called on his kings to be like. And the most famous story he has about is about him taking Bathsheba. And the power dynamic between them is huge. Who is Bathsheba to refuse the king? Power is a huge part of sin. Desiring to have control. Desiring to control others. Or even desiring to control God. But there's no way that God said that. There's no way that his word, that's what he actually meant... I'm going to have to find another way around it. It feels absurd. And perhaps you're in your mind saying, Alexander, I have never struggled with abusing power. Don't know what you're talking about. But dear listener, I would invite you to consider. Have you ever manipulated anyone? Have you torn down someone just so that you could feel a little bit better? Do you gossip about people and rip apart their reputation? Do you find yourself rooting for others to fail and fall on their face? That is the problem of power. Because even if you don't have the political clout of David, that hatred and desire to want to be better and to destroy others to get there, you're struggling with power. And you're not alone in that. It's a battle that I must face, and it's so often because I want to compare my teaching to others, and I want to think that I'm a better preacher or a better teacher than they are, instead of realizing we're on the same team. I should just want the gospel to be preached well. It's not about me. The message isn't about me, and if someone is doing it better than me, God be praised. So for someone who struggles with pride and power, I want you to join me in this journey as we consider the person who shows us how to solve the problem. I'll be right back. I'm not sure about the type of songs that you are singing at your church, Uh, but one that we sang a lot growing up and sing still from time to time is a song called 10,000 angels by Ray Overholt. And basically it plays on this idea that Jesus, as he's been being taken, he says that I could call 10 legions of angels and they could save me from this predicament. The savior of the world is about to go and be killed in the one of the most barbaric torture deaths of all time. And right there, he displays his power. He displays what he could do. And it's one of those, you know, it's an interesting story. And for me growing up, I mean, like it was one of those really cool songs. Because you start out the verse and you're singing all low and you're you're singing it slow and all that type of stuff. And then you get to this chorus and everyone's really excited and we're singing. He could have called these 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. And then in the conclusion of it, the more I've grown becomes that much more. That much more heartbreaking. As as comforting as the death and resurrection of Jesus is for me as a Christian, it's still one of those. But he died alone for you and me. Not only did he have the opportunity to get out of this situation, he had all the power in the world to do so. He didn't. He died alone. For us to know how to overcome this problem of power, we're going to have to look at Jesus, of course. Because Jesus, God incarnate, and this is the time of year when people are thinking about this the most. So I think that it's perfectly pertinent for us to be thinking about it. That people are thinking about God made man. Love becoming human flesh. Um... As one song that we also sing puts it um, God's uh, Jesus's hands, these hands that lighted the evening stars reach out for comfort in Mary's arms. What an incredible sentiment that the God of the universe becomes human flesh. And the God of human flesh, he doesn't come down and reign as a king on this earth. He doesn't come down and become king of Jerusalem or king of Rome or any such thing like that. As Philippians 2 tells us, he humbles himself to the point of being a servant. He comes down to the backwaters of the Roman Empire. Son of a carpenter, a carpenter himself. Working a peasant's job. One of the defining aspects of who Jesus is, is his meekness. And As one teacher I remember teaching me so long ago, strength under control. Because of all the people in the world who had the strength to do whatever he wanted, Jesus did. That Jesus did not have to go to that cross if he did not want to. that any situation he got into where people were abusing him or being rude to them, he could have ended their lives right there in an instant. And he chose not to. That Satan, when he was out in the wilderness and he was being tempted with all the nations of the world, he refused. And when he was tempted to... I mean, it was, it's was. it been a little confusing for me. Why would Satan try to get him to throw himself off the temple? Part of it is pride. I'll show you. But it's, as Jesus responds, it's, you don't put me to the test. You don't put the Lord, your God, to the test. So the reality of power... In Jesus' life, the reality of how we see power needs to be used is it's not so that we can dominate other people. It's not so that we can use our talents or whatever God has given us to abuse or harm other people. But rather, our lives are to be laid down. That Jesus comes into this earth not so that he... Can lift himself up. He came to serve. And as Philippians 2. uh, That very famous passage. As it concludes that. One day. Everyone is going to confess the name of Jesus. He didn't come to this earth to be served. But he is glorified. He is exalted. And deserves it. Living a perfect life. Sacrificing on our behalf. It's so incredible for me to think about the fact of what Jesus got on that cross and when he was resurrected. And the reality is that he got out of this deal, you and I. He went through all that death and all that punishment and the torture, like if you just go through and read the crucifixion accounts of Jesus at any point, it should be humbling. It should be unbelievable to hear the story about a perfect person being treated so ridiculously by religious leaders, being treated so ridiculously by his government, having his back shredded, being mocked, Having sham trial after sham trial. Being accused of things that he had no right to be accused of. Things that he didn't do. Claiming things that he didn't claim. Over and over and over again. But he goes. Because he knew that would redeem my soul. He knew that would redeem your soul. That's why he was willing to go. He had all the power in the world and the ability to stop it if he desired. But he laid it down, laid down his life for you and I. The name Christian is important because what it says to the world is that I am a follower of Christ. Now, a lot of people wear that name and refuse to actually follow Christ and will just label anything as Christian as they want to. But what it means to be a Christian means that I'm going to follow Jesus. It means that just as he laid down his life, I am called to take up my cross daily and to follow him. That means that just as he loved people when it was the most inconvenient possible thing for him. I'm going to do it because that's the example that he's shown to me. That he did not desire power over you and I. He did not desire power over the will of God. And the reality for us is sometimes that is what we desire more than anything. We want control over our lives more than what is the will of God. We desire our own way. We desire that other people fall down so that we look better. That's not the way a Christian lives. It's not the call that a Christian has. So as you look at Jesus' life, as you go through and you read for yourself, I encourage you to read the Gospels as often as possible. As you go through those stories, and you see the people that he clashed with, it were those who were refusing to give up their power. Matthew 23 is a chapter that I reference quite a bit. Where he's calling them broods of vipers and whitewashed tombs. Things I wouldn't feel the most comfortable saying because I understand that in a lot of ways I'm a whitewashed tomb and I'm a hypocrite too. Jesus didn't have that problem. He wasn't a hypocrite. But as he's sitting there and calling them these things, it's because they are these unrepentant people who had been putting these bondages on other people and had failed to emphasize the weightier matters of the law he talks about them uh you know dill and cumin these tiny little plants and they're tithing them they're cutting off a tenth of them so they can give so they're tithing the tiniest little house plants in their uh in their houses but they are forgetting all about justice and righteousness They had esteemed their own laws over the laws of God. And the problem with that is, well, that makes them look like the righteous people. That means that they have been wearing this this label of a Pharisee as these holy men, these holy teachers who everyone needed to be listening to. They weren't even listening to what God had to say, they had made the law a burden on others. Pharisaical thought isn't just hypocrisy, it is also putting up these uh, fences, I guess, around the word of God, claiming that if you are not in my section of the fence, then you are on the wrong side. Now, I'm not saying this about, like, if you're saying, hey, this thing is a sin, it's because God has said it's a sin. That's totally different. This is us setting up our own standard as what is true and what is right, which is what the Pharisees have done. So when Jesus, who follows the law perfectly, interrupts those patterns, the reaction is, look at this sinner. Look at this messed up person. Look at this broken person. When they're the ones who need a forgiveness and repentance. It's very important for us to consider. Jesus came to this world to show us what true power was. It wasn't setting up rules around other people, trying to prevent them from getting into the kingdom unless they looked exactly like us. Rather, he came to show what love looked like, what truth looked like, how evil sin is that it needed to send a perfect person to the cross. So to follow in his life, I must give up my power. I must give up my pride and I must serve God. I must serve and love my fellow man. I must stop gossiping. I must stop desiring other people to fail just so I look better. These are the things that I should desire when the Christ life has truly taken over. In Christ, we see that true power is laying down your life, laying down your arms, laying down yourself, giving yourself over to the will of God. So how does this look in our lives? I'm going to put some ideas out there and I'm hopeful that it will help us think about this as we get into this holiday and thinking about all we can do to help other people and serve other people hopeful that'll give us at least some ideas and some inspiration going forward What does it look like for us to lay down power and for us to act more like Jesus in this action? Well, of course, I think it starts with just plain and simple humility. Um, It's not so simple as just saying, be humble, right? But humility comes with us understanding our place before God, understanding that we are sinners you are undeserving of any mercy and any grace. And when we have that humility, that's going to affect a lot of things. It's going to remind us, it's going to be it's going to place a lot of importance on Jesus' sacrifice in our lives. Because I don't get to say how incredible of a person I of I of a person I am because I'm not. I don't get to look at my neighbor and look at how terrible and how awful they are. Because I'm just as broken and as bad as they are. I'm a sinner in need of grace. They're a sinner in need of grace as well. And that helps us to show grace to one another. So having humility really comes from reminding ourselves that everything I have, I have from the grace of God. Not just to my salvation, but also the fact that I'm able to live. The air I breathe is of the mercy of God. The fact that I woke up this morning is the mercy of God. Whatever money I have is the mercy of God. So in that mercy, realizing that I have not earned any of these things, realizing that they are all free gifts from the Lord, how am I supposed to live my life but being willing to give them away? That the Lord has given me time, that is time that I can give away. The Lord has given me energy and strength that is energy and strength I can use to help and encourage other people. That the Lord has given me money or any sort of earthly prosperity that is money and earthly prosperity that I can give away to serve. I don't get to use excuses about, well, I, you know, I need this for X reason and Y reason. Because everything that Jesus had, he gave away he didn't hold the power of god to himself he spent all day giving it to other people he didn't hold on to even his life willing to give that up as a sacrifice for us all to really get rid of power is going to be remi- it's going to be a reminder of what the Lord has done in our lives and how that's supposed to impact, how that's supposed to change us. What this also means is that we repent of the actions that we try to take against other people. Manipulation is really easy to do. Because we start guilting people. We start making them think that you know they owe us or something like that. But our lives should not be built off of manipulation. They shouldn't be built off of gossip. And so often that's the point of gossip is let me tell you this dirty little secret about somebody. So that they look worse and I look better. Or maybe even not that I just look better but just in general that someone else looks bad. Instead when you have a problem with someone or you're struggling with something they do. You go and tell them to their face. And if you struggle to go and tell it to their face, there's probably a problem with the way that you're thinking about it. It's probably something that's actually not that big of a deal and you've made a big deal out of it because you don't like them and you don't want them to succeed or whatever else. Fill in the blank. I used to have a Twitter and I thought, you know, and I would subtweet, you know, it's a dumb and childish thing. And instead of telling you to their face, even saying it, sending a text directly to that person, I'd much rather tell the entire internet about you, but I'm just not going to put your name on it. And I thought that was better. It's an embarrassment. If we really have problems with people, we need to just be telling them to their face. Not trying to tear them down behind their backs. Because if we are really seeking to encourage them to grow and to do better, we should want them to know. We should want them to know, firstly, that we care about them and we appreciate them. But here's this thing that bothers me about something you said or this way you treated this person. And I just want to encourage you to think about this, all that type of stuff. If someone still responds to you badly, that's that's a problem with their heart. But that does not justify us uh, gossiping about one another again, as we go into this holiday season, a lot of focus comes to how we can serve and how we can help. We talked about this a little bit in our gratitude podcast, which was a fun one. But there's a lot of people who are going to be serving you of these couple of months. If you go out with your family to a restaurant, there's going to be waiters and waitresses who are pretty understaffed. Um, There's going to be like, Amazon truck drivers and stuff like that, UPS drivers, post, any postal service people. Uh, if you're working in the, any of those industries, you guys have my prayers this holiday season. I'm so thankful for you and your work. Um, their, li- their lives and their jobs are difficult because oftentimes people's reaction is so unkind and so rude. So it's very important for us that we can't change and affect how other people treat someone. What we can do is how we treat them. That in this situation where quote-unquote I have power over this person because they ha their job is to serve me. What you can do in that situation you can serve them. You can be very attentive to their needs if they're have it struggling with other people make sure that like i mean do the simple work of like having the mem- menu up beforehand trying to learn it so that you know what you want leaving a fair and good tip being kind in that way very simple stuff goes a long way being thankful for your drivers and the efforts that they put in and not getting upset at like the postal people if something gets lost along the way it gets lost that's not their fault they can't do anything about that it's a busy crazy holiday season supply chains all that type of stuff is ruined and messed up um, and under under uh, understaffed then you throw in the Omicron variant this is just it's craziness People are going out of their way to uh, do what they can for us. So we should show them the decent amount of respect. But there's also other ways to serve when it comes to people who are homeless in these really cold days. That um, Always freaks me out. People are out there in the cold during this time. I could not do it. Little ways that you can help people. That goes a long way. Because you are... Not, uh, I I think, a lot of my perception, we talked about giving in a podcast, and again, my perception a lot has been driven by, if I give this person money, well, they're just going to use it on something bad. They're going to use it on drugs, whatever. But in that situation, I have just a tiny bit of power. And what I choose to do with it is say, I'm so much clearly a better person than this person, I'm gonna to refuse to help them just a little bit. That if you can, if you if you do need to like if you feel more comfortable getting the McDonald's or something, don't use the excuse of well I don't just wanna give them money. Find a way to help, find a way to serve. And don't let it end during the holiday season, because there's people who need to be helped each and every day, constantly. Your neighbor needs to be helped. Your coworker needs to be encouraged. That there are so many ways that you can be helping, whether it be your spouse, or your preacher, or another member of your congregation. The way to solve the problem of power is to lay down our lives. To show the love of Christ to all people, just as he's shown it to all people. So we need to pick up our cross and follow him. Give up on power. It leads you astray. It corrupts your heart and your mind. It turns you against people. It makes you want people to fail. But if you turn to Jesus and lay down your life, in the end, when he comes back and returns, you will be glorified, you will be exalted, and ultimately you'll be with the one who has unconditionally loved you above all. And that's our goal. That's what we're striving for, to be with him. So don't be deceived by power. It's not going to lead you anywhere. But trust in Jesus. Uh, he has the right thing in mind. I hope this podcast has been good for you. I hope it helped you think about a couple of different things. Just It's been a little bit of my rambling thoughts that I've had recently about uh, power and pride and ultimately Jesus' kind of uh, subjection of that. Because here's a being with ultimate power and he chooses instead to lay down his life. It's just incredible. It's a story unlike any other. It's part of what makes it so incredibly compelling and also incredibly true. Hope you guys enjoyed. Again, please, if you have not yet, if you want to, to get three books, please go over to our Instagram page at uh, The Pilgrim Song and do the instructions in the picture. Uh, but otherwise, if not, we'll see you next week. We have some really fun stuff cooked up for you. We're very excited uh, to do and record that podcast. So we are hopeful uh, that you will listen in to that. And hopefully one of you guys will win uh, pretty soon here. Thank you guys for listening. hope you're encouraged. I hope that it gives you something to think about as we go through this week, as we go through this holiday season. And you know maybe if you're writing down New Year's resolutions, give you something to think about with that as well. Appreciate you guys listening. And we hope that you have a blessed week. See you next one.